are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a Thursday episode of the program. We're going to get into a little bit of Combine. Kyle Shanahan has spoken for the first time in a while at a press conference at the Combine. He also talked to reporters on the site, so we've got all the details on that. I've got some audio from Shanahan's press conference. He got into some new additions to the coaching staff, Eric Armstead's contract situation, Dante Pettis going into year two why he uses a fullback more than just about any team in the league. And he somehow made the correlation between quarterbacking in the NFL and snowboarding. So you're going to want to hear that quote. If we have time, a couple of mailbag questions at the end, and it looks like some running backs and offensive linemen have weighed in. So we'll uh, take a look at those early weigh-ins from the combine. And the next week on Monday and Tuesday and really throughout the week, we'll really break down everything we saw from all of the workouts that will end with the defensive backs on Monday in Indianapolis. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the show, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We are everywhere, as is every show on the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you're in your car, as a lot of listeners are, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On 49ers. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can also email the program as well, LockedOn49ers at Gmail, if you want to get involved in any mailbag segments. And we'll get deeper into the mailbag again next week. I didn't have a full mailbag segment this week, but touched on some yesterday with Nick. I'll try to get to some at the end of the show today as well. But first, let's hear from head coach, Mr. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I have big expectations for Dante. You know, we did before we drafted him. We had it throughout this year, and um, we expect him to continue to get better. You know, I think uh, he went through the normal rookie-type um, ups and downs um, that a lot of them do as receivers. He came in strong in um, training camp, um, got a little banged up, but um, was healthy enough for week one, did well. Week two, I think he had a touchdown on week one, and week two he got an injury that kind of set him back. Um, you know, he didn't get right till about week 12, and then he finished the year up very strong. Um, finished the year up, probably is our best guy, and um, expect him to come in next year and be even better. He's a guy who can play all three of the positions and um, also a good returner, and we're very excited that we have Dante. You know, it's pretty crazy to think that Kendrick Bourne was the wide receiver who led the 49ers in receiving yards last year. And so you can see why that might be uh, something that the 49ers are trying to add to this offseason. They tried to add to it last offseason, and I think they had a nice little draft pick in Dante Pettis. And the the stuff that Kyle Shanahan talked about with Dante Pettis after they drafted him, it was pretty obvious when you saw him play, and he does have that that weird, awesome flexibility, ability to get open, uh, the suddenness in and out of his routes, pure hands, all of those things I love about Dante Pettis. And he had a pretty decent year for the seven games he did start and 12 games that he got action in. He was hurt in multiple games, which is part of the problem with him, which, which worries me a little bit about trying to plug him into a future number one role. I don't know if he's built to handle the volume of a 10-12 target per game receiver and we'll see hopefully you know the injury bug that bit him as a as a rookie you know is something that doesn't dog him for his entire career and we've seen that from a number of you know high draft picks recently from the 49ers that haven't been able to stay on the field namely Jimmy Ward and Eric Armstead and last year Armstead we'll talk about him a little bit later because uh, Shanahan did as well uh, but once Armstead had a 
a full healthy season, you realize how good he is. And so it, it would be fun to see Dante Pettis in year two take that huge leap like George Kittle did in his second season. So uh, don't expect that kind of a jump. But, you know, staying healthy, playing every game and putting up some big time numbers because he only caught 27 passes, targeted 45 times, 467 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, but you could really see the talent and see the way he could get open. And uh, if not a number one receiver, I don't know if he'll ever be that guy, but he can absolutely be a solid number two wide receiver for the 49ers. It's going to be interesting to see who they add, how this position looks going into 2019. If they add a Z receiver and as Shanahan alluded to at the end of last season and early in the off season, that Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin would be battling it out for that X receiver spot, or maybe they bring another rookie in to, to play the Z, but in a backup role early and have Dante play the Z position, keep Marquise the X, and then they have a couple of good slot guys, I think, and Richie James and, of course, Trent Taylor. So they can go a lot of ways with this in the flexibility, not only as a as a player, you know, as a football player, he's flexible on the field, but uh, his flexibility in position. And we heard uh, Shanahan just talk about how he could play all three wide receiver positions, and I totally agree with that. And so that, that's an, it's a nice X factor to have in Dante Pettis, knowing that he could start at any one of those spots, depending which direction they go in the offseason at that position, whether they add somebody or whether they draft a guy, you know, in the first few rounds. But wide receivers take a little while. That's a big year of development into year two and year three for wide receivers. So I'm interested to see that jump that Pettis takes in 2019. Speaking of wide receivers to add, a Shanahan was asked by reporters, don't have the audio, but Antonio Brown, when asked, if the 49ers were one of the three teams that Steelers GM Kevin Colbert said had contacted the Pittsburgh Steelers about Antonio Brown, Shanahan said, quote, not that I know of. And he said that he hadn't reached out to the Steelers. And then he said when he was pressed a little bit more about it, quote, I cannot talk about another player if he's not under contract with us. So I don't know if he's being coy about that or if uh, they really haven't been, in, you know, because he could say I haven't contacted him, but he knows that John Lynch is making calls like that. Um I I think they might be hesitant to add Antonio Brown because of all the off-field stuff and all the goofiness and weirdness. And and Shanahan went on to talk about how you can't have a player that's bigger than the team, and it's so hard to deal with someone who's you know in a different program basically than everybody else. And so, uh, and when you're trying to build something, I totally see that the talent is one thing, but and for the Steelers, they're trying to get rid of a really great player because it's addition by subtraction. So do you want to? Do you want to add that distraction and possibly subtraction to your team, even though he's super talented? I understand why they would be hesitant to add Antonio Brown, even if he comes on the cheap. Let's move on to the fullback position. Kyle Juszczyk was spoken about, and I know Kyle Shanahan thinks highly of Kyle Juszczyk, but it's also just about the position and what you can do on offense when you have a versatile fullback like Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, one, Kyle's very versatile, so I think and we'll, we'll, we'll always use a fullback. Um, I mean, I, I personally will always. I think it gives you too much of an advantage, but um, Kyle, we probably do it a little bit more than usual just because it's the advantage of our personnel. Um, just a fullback in general, though, it allows us to dictate things to the defense. I mean, you can begin in certain personnel groupings and if that are impossible to run against if you don't have a fullback. So if you have a fullback in there, they know you can run it at any time, which simplifies a little bit of what the defense is doing. And also, if we can move that fullback to different positions to where he's not actually playing fullback, then it gives us an advantage. 
Yeah, and the 49ers use the fullback a ton, and it's nice to have a, a weapon, an OW, an offensive weapon like Kyle Juszczyk who can catch the ball too. And in, I've talked about it before on the show, and t- to oversimplify Shanahan's offense, what he really loves to do is be able to run his base personnel out there, and teams don't know whether you're going to pass or run the ball. And you can run and pass equally well with that same personnel group. So it's a nice advantage to have. Use all the weapons you have, uh, but if that's – what can get you the advantage? I love that. And Kyle Shanahan's good at scheming up those advantages and obviously using tight ends and fullbacks in his offense. All right, let's take a quick break, hear more from Kyle Shanahan, and then talk a little combine and then dip into that mailbag a little bit. So, Coach, why would you use a franchise tag on a kicker of all things? Um, yeah, I think, you know, we put the tag on Robbie because he's a great kicker and we don't want to lose him. Um, you know, we've been we've been in negotiations with them for a while. Um, we haven't come to a conclusion to side on it for both sides. And, you know, it's a really a credit to Robbie that, I mean, it, it shows that we don't want to lose them. And when we franchise them, it's because we're hoping to get more time to, to solve this with them. Uh, I know he's going to be a Niner this year. I know he's not going to be on someone else's team. Um, but I really hope it's longer than one year. So franchise tag means we don't have to stop negotiating March 13th. That means we can keep going all the way up to the season. And uh, I know how bad we want them. Um, and hopefully we'll meet somewhere in the middle and it'll work out. So, yeah, it's a negotiating ploy. Maybe they could still trade him, although it sounds like Kyle Shanahan is saying, no, nah, we're, we're, we tagged him because we want him around. And they have until, I think, July to do a long-term deal when that tag goes into place. And hopefully they can get a long-term deal done. He's been one of the kick, best kickers in the league since the 49ers signed him. And Shanahan also went on to talk about how he hopes that Robbie Gold can make some big game-winning kicks and, and be part of more W's for the 49ers, which is obviously when you're starting to win games. And we saw what happened with Chicago Bears and how having a kicker that can't make big kicks for you can hurt you if you are getting into the playoffs. So it's an important thing. And looks like Robbie Gold is going to be around for a little while and maybe even around for a long while. Now that he's been tagged and knows he's not going to Chicago this year, maybe they can get a longer-term deal done. Let's hear about rehab because Jimmy Garoppolo, great news there. He's ahead of schedule, although they're probably not going to try to rush him or anything like that. But he also talked about Jarek McKinnon's rehab, who injured his knee a little bit before Jimmy Garoppolo, and how their rehabs are going to sort of come together and meet at a certain point, and hopefully both guys are ready right about the same time. Well, yeah, that's what we brought him here for. Um, you know, this day and age, everyone usually, I mean, ACL, everyone recovers pretty good, it seems, but um, it's also tougher from a running back position, I would say, than the quarterback. So uh, I think him and Jimmy are really, you know, I think Jericho did it a month behind him. Um, but I think they'll be on about the same page coming back just because, you know, Jimmy, it's, it's a little easier to throw in there in OTAs and stuff in seven on seven, or it's hard to throw a running back in there because if someone runs into him, it's, it's a little different. They got to make cuts that are a little bit different, but Jarek's been working his tail off. It's the first time he's hurt his knee. Um, everything's on pace to be back and, um, really excited to get him back. And you can really start to see the makings of an offense that could be even borderline powerhouse, if they're able to add that one more weapon to what they already have in the offensive weapon, OW, we talked about with Kyle Juszczyk. Seen that for full arsenal with Jarek McKinnon coming back. If he's at full strength to go with Matt Breida, that's a nice two-headed monster at running back. Both explosive running backs for the 49ers. We saw what George Kittle already has arrived as in the NFL and just a stud multifaceted tight end. We talked about 
Dante Pettis going into year two. Richie James going into year two. Let's see what kind of steps he takes. Kendrick Bourne was the leading wide receiver for the 49ers last year. He's going to have to compete for that Z wide receiver spot with somebody. Who knows who that player is? So a possible upgrade there. And Trent Taylor being that shifty slot guy who can hopefully move the chains coming back healthy. He had back surgery last offseason. Should be more healthy coming into this year as well with the offensive line. If they re-sign Mike Person, fully intact, same five guys, same group. It looks like it could be a very, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo being healthy and manning that group and quarterbacking that football team. Got the makings of something there. The 49ers could have an offense that that puts up some points, and hopefully it's not just putting up yards. They're able to fix some red zone woes, and it becomes not just field goals, not just Robbie Gold all the time, but they're getting the end zone and putting up sixes with regularity. And finally, leave it to Kyle Shanahan when asked about if quarterback height matters to make the connection between quarterbacking and snowboarding. I don't think anything's happening different it's just you see one person do it and then other people realize things are possible i mean you watch like snowboarding and stuff and people never thought you could do more than whatever two 360s is that sounds real stupid saying that was a 720 and then all of a sudden does three of them and it's like then a year later 10 of them do that so i mean it's yeah we'd all like tall guys with the biggest arm in the world who can run faster than everyone and know how to play quarterback um you haven't seen those all over the years but i mean drew Brees is getting anyone who's ever played the game he's a smarter one so and it goes by percentages. The odds are if you're taller, it sh- should be easier. If you're faster, it should be easier. If you have a better arm, it should be easier. But like I'll say about every single position, there's no absolutes at anything. So um, if guys can throw and play the position, I mean, they don't have to dunk. And then he even starts to go into the basketball <laughs> reference. And, yeah, the, the height thing is sometimes overblown. And, in fact, I think there should be, you know, if you have a, a minimum height standard that you want for your quarterback, there should be a maximum too because sometimes – these guys are just goons. You get the Mike Glennons of the world or six, eight, or like, how does that help you? You're a complete goon. You're too tall and you, you can't move well. And so, um, yeah, I think the height thing is overblown and we'll see. It's going to be one of the big, and obviously Kyler Murray is, is why that question was asked of, of Kyle Shanahan there in that press conference. And that's going to be probably one of the most interesting weigh-ins, which I believe is happening Thursday for quarterbacks and wide receivers, right? Or is it uh, Friday? Thursday or Friday, Kyler Murray will be weighing in. Is he 5'10"? Is he 5'9"? Is he under 5'9"? That would be a first to have a top 10, top 5, number 1 overall potentially quarterback that's 5'8 and 3 quarters and 195 pounds. It's never happened. And even last year surprised me with Baker Mayfield, who was 6 feet tall, going number 1 overall. So Kyler Murray would just shatter that. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one with Kyler Murray. And if he does run and work out, he's got a great arm and he's probably going to blaze in the 40s. So he has a chance to really help his stock. And I think interviews are going to be the number one thing. Does he really love football? Is he really fully committed? Is the baseball thing gone because he had some disastrous interviews, Dan Patrick and some others around the Super Bowl time that were terrible. And I thought, oh, that's it for Kyler Murray. That's, you know, that's that. But he's since tried to tried to say that he's going to be all go with quarterbacking and, and playing in the NFL, and that was his dream, and that was his number one focus, and, and nothing else matters. So we'll see if he can convince teams of that and and see if some of these old-school GMs, Dave Gettleman and New York Giants, I can't see that guy drafting a 5'9 quarterback. Same with old-school Tom Coughlin, who's in charge of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Both those teams need quarterbacks. Both those teams are 6-7 and, seven and and really positioned to go get a guy 
I got to believe both of those teams would like Haskins more than Kyler Murray, even if it's an antiquated, outdated idea. These are old school GMs. But there might be some other teams that are more into the idea and more accepting of short quarterback. But that's going to be a very interesting storyline. It's going to be fun to see how a lot of these guys weigh in. So uh, let's use that segue and get into some weigh-ins that we saw from Wednesday at the Combine. Offensive linemen and running backs were the first to measure up Wednesday. They'll be working out on the field drills and getting timed on Thursday. Uh, but some interesting ones, I I haven't looked a lot at the running backs. I'm late getting into that, and I started looking at some a few weeks ago, the ones that were in the Senior Bowl, and then looked at some more more recently. And Daryl Henderson is the guy I'm eyeballing right now and, and fits what the 49ers have if they want more of the same. Of, but but he surprised me. He weighed out a very good way in for him. He's only 5'8 and 3'8, so he's he's short. And you knew he was going to be small, but a Matt Breida-esque sort of body, that's what I saw in him, that burst like Matt Breida has to just get chunk yardage and a nice fit in the outside zone scheme that the 49ers run. But he weighed in at 208 pounds out of Memphis, which I was surprised about uh, because he can blaze. 208 pounds is a very good weigh in for Daryl Henderson. That's uh, at least 10 pounds more than Matt Breida was at, at I think, 5'9", 195 when he was coming out of college. So... Daryl Henderson is an interesting one. Might go too high for the 49ers to be interested. I don't think they would even sniff the running back position until day three. But if the right guy's there, maybe Daryl Henderson, I could see it. Uh, Josh Jacobs is universally thought of as the best running back in this class from Alabama, 5'10", 220. He's a horse. A lot of guys uh, have some heft to them. David Montgomery is another guy I like at running back, 222 pounds at 5'10", and an eighth. Bryce Love, a nice way in for him. He's sub 5'9", 5'8", and 7'8", but he hit that 200-pound mark on the dot, which is a very nice weigh-in for him. I wouldn't have been surprised if he was like 185 pounds or something. Uh, He doesn't run through a lot of arm tackles, but he's blazing fast. He has that ACL injury he's going to have to come back from, so he's going to probably go deep on day three just because of the the injury and and not being what the NFL would look at as an every-down back. But again, very Matt Breida-esque with that build and obviously explosive burner-like speed. Bryce Love's an interesting name that maybe the 49ers could stash, especially if they have a really nice, um, like, you know, they might have really good vibes about the ACL stuff. They drafted Contavious Street last year. He's come back from his ACL injury, and now Jarek McKinnon coming back from his. Maybe they're like, yeah, we feel great about the technology and the rehab with these ACLs, and you get worried about going down that slippery Trent Balky slope of ACLs, but makes a lot more sense late in day three than it does, you know, in the second round drafting these guys with the ACL injuries. There's got to be a nice value and a nice discount built in if you're going to mess with guys who have an injury history. Bryce Love might be that guy for the 49ers if he's there really late. And then Miles Gaskin's another one who was able to hit that 205-pound mark at 5'9" and a quarter, and I like Miles Gaskin a lot. He's not going to blow away the combine. He doesn't wow you with any height, weight, speed, or anything like that. He's just been a really good running back for a long time at Washington. Uh, Another guy, Devin Singletary, is like almost not quite to the level of Maurice Jones-Drew, but he is shifty. Like his lateral quickness is insane. He was 5'7 and a half, but 203 pounds. So all these guys just really stout for, for how they're built. A lot of short running backs, uh, and a couple of them, Daryl Henderson and Bryce Love with the long speed, Devin Singletary is like just impossibly quick and just <laughs> makes guys look silly in a sort of Barry Sanders, 
light sort of a mold with the way he's built and low to the ground and, and, and shakes guys, but he doesn't have that long speed and the home run speed that, that you would want from a, a smaller running back. We don't have to go into too much detail here with the offensive linemen, but uh, most of the guys are just really big. These guys are massive. Jonah Williams is going to be an interesting case because he is just kind of right around or just under some of the, the benchmarks the teams want in an offensive tackle, and he's been long thought of as a top 10 draft pick. He's a left tackle at Alabama from Folsom, California, by the way. Uh, Jonah Williams, though, 6'4 and a half, 302 pounds, and his arm length is sub 34 inches, 33 and 5 eighths inches. Overblown, absolutely, kind of like the quarterback height thing, but some teams, they have that cutoff. They want in their offensive tackles, especially their blindside pass protector, they want 34-plus inch arm length. Jonah Williams coming in just below that and only 302 pounds, 6'4 and a half, so smaller. He would be one of the smaller offensive tackles in the league. Um, he's not tiny. you know. He, he's right at that level, but he's just kind of at or right below the cutoffs that teams are looking for for offensive linemen and very Joe Staley. Yeah, actually Joe Staley is a little bit bigger, but arm length wise. Yeah. Joe Staley was in the 33 inch range. I wonder if Jonah Williams is going to get the treatment that Connor Williams got last year, who was being mocked as a top 10 offensive tackle out of Texas and then had 33 inch arms. He was only, I think 298 pounds at six, five, even though he worked out well and jumped well and ran well at the combine teams saw him as too small. And they pigeonholed him as a guard. And he fell all the way to pick 50 and ended up being a starting left guard for the Dallas Cowboys. And he looks like he's going to be a pretty good player in the NFL and probably not going to get a shot to play tackle. And he'll probably be a long-term guard. So I wonder if Jonah Williams might get that treatment and start to fall a little bit. If he does start to fall, though, and get toward that 49ers second-round pick, they'd be wise to snap him up because he's a really good player. And I absolutely believe he could play tackle in the NFL, although he could be a stud guard as well. All right, not much else majorly of note with the offensive line weigh-ins. We're going to have a lot more to talk about next week when it comes to the combine, so we'll save it for then. Let's take a quick break, and I'll field some of these mailbag questions. Let's start with Jarvis. He said, appreciate all the hard work you put in into making Locked On 49ers the best podcast there is. Well, thank you, Jarvis. That kind of praise will get you first in line in uh, the Locked On 49ers mailbag. He said, my question is about Justin Houston. Do you think the Niners will try to trade for him or go the free agent route to get a veteran pass rusher? Yeah, and that's uh, some news I didn't mention earlier in the show. There's a bunch of scuttlebutt going on from Indy with uh, everybody getting together and so many reporters and uh, all kinds of rumors and things getting leaked and who likes who and who needs a quarterback and who likes their own quarterback and so much stuff. And you have to, a lot of misinformation too. So you have to wade through the lies as well when it comes to the draft, but Uh, The rumor was that the Kansas City Chiefs were trying to trade Justin Houston. And to me, what that means, it was similar to the John Ross thing with the Cincinnati Bengals. If you're actively at the combine trying to trade a player who has got a big contract number, that means you're probably about to cut him if you can't trade him, which also means to me that maybe the 49ers can circumvent that free agency and just trade for a guy like Justin Houston if they're willing to pay what his cap number is, which I think is like, somewhere near $20 million, which is, you know, it's high end. It's it's big time edge rusher money, which is what they would pay a big time edge rusher if they had to sign a guy. But they wouldn't have to throw the signing bonus at Justin Houston. So that's one of the benefits of making a trade. And you wouldn't have to worry about uh, who wants to come play for you and, and, and play that game either. So you could get a guy under contract who's a really good pass rusher still, a little bit older, 29, I think he's going in, uh, either he's going into 29 or age 30 season 
next year. But he was still very productive. He's still a very good football player, even though he's not the 22-sack guy of you know five years ago that we saw from Justin Houston. But I also think it won't... It reminds me a little bit of like the Anquan Bolden trade. Remember, it's like, oh, Anquan Bolden, Pro Bowl wide receiver, it only cost you a six-round pick because they were going to cut him anyway. So I, I think it's that type of a thing with Justin Houston. So I'm all about it. If the 49ers can swing a deal, it's only going to take a day three draft pick, fourth rounder at most. I would guess more like a fifth or sixth round pick is what the Chiefs end up getting for Justin Houston just because of his age and his cap number. And not every team can fit that in and not every team, you know, and then teams are going to say, well, why would we trade for this guy when you're going to cut him anyways? We could just sign him or we could sign one of these other number of guys who are going to reach the free agent market. But that's an interesting one. And uh, I, I think the 49ers could be a nice match there with the Chiefs and make a trade for someone like Justin Houston, who could play that Leo spot for the 49ers. He could even play a little strong side linebacker. He has been a 3-4 outside linebacker in his career, and he's athletic enough to still do that and be a stand-up rusher as he has been throughout his career. So Justin Houston is definitely an interesting name to me. Let's go to Lee. He said, hey, Brian, what's the difference from playing three technique to playing five technique? Why would you play Quinnen Williams at three tech and Buckner at five tech instead of the other way around? Niners fan from England still trying to figure out the finer details of the NFL, such as schemes, etc. And uh, find listening to your podcast a great way to help. Well, thank you very much, Lee. I'm glad you come to my podcast to get answers like these. And thank you very much for the question. And uh, three technique is just, well... To put the technique stuff simply, basically you're counting from the center out. So if you're a defensive lineman and you're playing zero technique, you're lined up straight over the offense's center. And then you're a one technique when you scoot out a little bit and you're playing over the center's shoulder, but you're not quite playing over the guard. And then a three technique is where you're playing over the guard more. Five technique, you're playing more over the tackle. And you're going to hear a lot more about this wide nine that the 49ers are going to start employing more of because they brought over... Chris Kosurek, who is the defensive line coach from Detroit, Detroit playing the wide nine scheme up front. And what that means is just uh, your way out with your defensive ends outside of the tight ends, even in a wide set. The wide nine is something you're going to hear a lot more about. And for me, Buckner is just his length. He's 6'7, 295, 300 pounds, whatever he is weight wise nowadays. He just has so much length. And when you're in the interior, that length doesn't help as much as when you're on the outside. So you can, um, you have that range and you can control big offensive tackles with that range. And he's fine inside playing the three tech, but if the 49ers did draft Quinnen Williams, I would have the shorter player in Quinnen Williams who's winning those battles in the short areas because of the way he's built and just the way he plays. I think he's just a perfect fit at three tech. So I would play Quinn in there and I would have Buckner playing a big end on base downs, which is only, you know, 30, 40% of the time. And then, most of the time, he'd be inside right next to Quinn and Williams, and they would both be rushing from inside and wreaking havoc. And Buckner can do it because he's just so versatile, and that's what he did in college. That's what they drafted him to do in the NFL is play that five technique, play the 3-4 defensive end where you're sort of an outside-inside combo player. I still don't think Quinn Williams is a likely pick for the 49ers. I just love him as a prospect and think he is one of the top two prospects in the draft with Nick Bosa, and I think Quinn and Williams and DeForest Buckner could absolutely play together. Anthony doesn't have a question, but it goes along with this. He said, unpopular opinion, Quinn and Williams will be better interior lineman than DeForest Buckner. And I think that, so if DeForest Buckner and Quinn and Williams were in the same draft class, 
Quinn Williams would have a better draft grade and would be the more ideal fit for a defensive tackle role. And like I mentioned, DeForest Buckner was a 3-4 defensive end coming out of college. That's what he's perfectly built to do, even though he's been an awesome interior defensive lineman for the 49ers. So again, that's no knock on DeForest Buckner. Both great prospects. Quinn Williams is just a fantastic prospect and will be a stud defensive tackle, in my opinion, in the league. DeForest Buckner, super versatile, can play outside, can play inside, and is a fantastic player who the 49ers should re-up and, and pay a whole bunch of money to stick around for a long time. And we'll finish it up with one more real quick from Ian. He said, if the 49ers trade back in the first round of the draft, who are some of the most likely targets in the range of picks they would trade back to, and what is the furthest pick you can see the team trading back to? Thanks. Love the pod. Thank you, Ian. I would say the 49ers... The farthest back they would trade with one move is probably that Miami pick, number 13 overall, that we talked about with Travis Wingfield earlier on in the week when he joined me on the program and we talked trade a little bit because it would just get too costly for the team moving up if you started moving up past you know the top 15 and beyond. That That's just, it would become crazy expensive for a team to move that far up to number two. And even from 13, not very likely. So I would say those... Picks at 6 and 7, New York Giants, Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe 10 at the Denver Broncos. And since there's that connection with the front offices between the 49ers and the Broncos, that would probably be, I would be surprised if they go further back than 10 just because of the cost. And maybe 13 would be the maximum. And the answer to the other part of your question is pretty much, now they could go further back if they did maybe multiple trades. Maybe they drop back to 7, then they drop back again to 10 or 13 or something like that, or 15 with the Redskins. Or There's multiple teams that could want to move around for various players. Usually it's quarterbacks. But uh, to answer the other part of your question, likely targets, I think it would be those edge players. And I've got a cluster of guys. Josh Allen I have right in the same group with Brian Burns out of Florida State and Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida. And I think they'll go in that order, Allen, Burns, Polite, even though I don't necessarily like them in that order. They're, they're, they're a tight cluster. And again, this weekend it's going to be fun to see those guys work out and maybe break up that cluster a little bit. There's a big cluster of big-bodied wide receivers. I want to see how these guys move, how they weigh in, how big they actually are, and how they move. It's going to be really important to break up that cluster. Same with this defensive line group and maybe Montez Sweat, maybe later. I like him more in the 20s, though, or even if he fell all the way to round two. But I think Montez Sweat's going to go a lot higher than that. So, yeah, Cleveland Farrell would be in that group. But really the guys that interest me are those super athletic, outside linebacker, speed edge rusher types in uh, Josh Allen, who's probably going to be gone if they – trade down too far, or Brian Burns and, and Ja'Kai Polite. So those two guys would be the guys I'd really be eyeing all the way back to like 13 and, and maybe even further. Maybe even some of those guys drop into the range where the 49ers can get up from round two back into round one. Because we saw what happened last year with Harold Landry. He lacked a little bit of size and teams weren't sure. He didn't really fit every scheme. Ja'Kai Polite might get that same treatment this year. If he starts to fall into the 20s, a trade up could start making a lot of sense. But things are going to start to get a lot more clear next week after the Combine. So I'll talk to you guys about that stuff next week right here on Locked On 49ers.